0: You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible.
1: Oh my mama, oh my mama, and man. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jumps out, fade away. This is the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell them other guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King. Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring. The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear. Well-respected in a city like Russell's career. It's Rain and Jay. Millie.
0: Welcome back. This is the Lockdown Selfless Podcast. We want to thank you for making this part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday. And this is the Wednesday show, as I forget which day of the week it is. We're the Reign of Jays, John Corrales of Mass Live, that's me, along with Jay King of The Athletic, here to play a game today. We're going to play a whole game. This whole podcast is going to be a game of real or fake where we're going to take things that we saw from the first round and we're going to determine if we think they are real and they will benefit the Celtics or they were fake as a result of maybe playing the Pacers or whatever. And then one bonus real or fake about the Milwaukee bucks at the end. So bonus real or fake. Yes. (laughs) What a day for the listener. God. Yeah. This is, this is a huge monumental, monumental day. So, We'll get to all of that. Remind if you're a new subscriber, go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead and check out the new Himalaya Podcast app or anywhere podcasts exists, Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, subscribe. Go ahead and do that so you can get this awesome content every single day through the playoffs. Well, some days off, but mostly Monday through Friday. All right, Jay, you ready
1: to play real or fake? Yay. <laughs> I have been waiting for this moment all of my life. Yeah.
0: Okay. One thing that came up at practice today was the Celtics' togetherness. Al Horford and Gordon Hayward both talked about it. Uh, when Hayward talked about it, I'll just read the quote. He said, I thought we stayed together, he said, over the first round. I like that the most. Each game wasn't perfect. Each game it felt like, we found a different way to win. Certainly in each game, there are opportunities for us to go our separate ways, and they built some lead on leads on us, but we always stayed together. We made a run of our own at the end and then found ways to win, so I like that. So, Jay, I ask you, is this togetherness for the Celtics real or fake?
1: Uh, I think it was certainly real in the first round. So is this real forever or real? Is it real now? Like, is this
0: real? Like when we hit the second round now, this, they face the Milwaukee Bucks. Whether it results in wins or not, is I, this I need full rules
1: together, for but, real or fake.
0: Is this real? Is this? That's not a difficult question, Jay. Is this? No, a, it's it's pretty difficult with this team. With this team. Well, if it's togetherness. <laughs> it, well, if you if you're saying that, then you
1: think it's fake. No, I'm, I'm gonna say real. I'm going to say it's real. I'm going to say the playoffs arriving changed things for the Celtics. I'm going to say that they've managed to put all the BS behind them. I'm going to say that when things go wrong, they won't crater like they did in the past and they'll focus on what they need to do next. And yes, the togetherness is real, but the fact that we're even having the (laughs) debating this question is a sign that it could come back to haunt the Celtics and that there's a chance it could be fake. No, it's true. But I'm it, saying real.
0: I, I, I'm, I'm with you actually. It's, it was real. That what we saw in the first round, that's real. That this team worked together. They did a lot of the things. Like Gordon Hayward's not wrong when he says that um, they had their opportunities to go their separate ways, which is just, Kind of a, a way to say there was a lot of selfish play and a lot of guys jacking up selfish shots uh, in the in the regular season. There is, of course, the possibility that when they face some real competition in, not that the 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 Pacers weren't really, they're were still as as bad as they were offensively. They're still a really good defensive team. So let's let I do want to put that out there, but. There, there was never, never, never a threat of them, the Pacers making a big run in the fourth quarter. Whereas the Bucks, when Giannis is on the floor, even if you go and you make a little run, a little five-point run or six-point run, Giannis can can come back and score ten straight points. So that's this is just going to be a completely different level of opponent. The question is, can it stay real? when that level of opponent is in front of them.
1: Yeah. I think it's more than that. I think if you make a mistake against the Pacers, it, it barely hurts you. <laughs> right. Right. They go on a small run. If you make a few mistakes in a row against the box, if you turn it over, like the Celtics did in around one, if you leave a guy for three, if you don't help enough on Giannis, if you're in bad positioning, every little thing can kill you against the bucks and, and like you said that that's that's when the Celtics are going to get tested that's when the resolve is going to get tested not not in the Pacers series when although you know what they were down double digits in the fourth quarter one sure. game they were down in the second half every game and and in the high leverage moments they they won those regularly but it's a totally different series they're they're playing against the mvp i don't know if anything from the first series will carry on to the next but i do think that the Celtics are together.
0: (laughs) I agree. So we'll see the the difference in these two series. It it, it may not be enough. They, They can still play together and it may not be enough. As long as they're trying to make the next right play, as Brad says, then that's, that's the togetherness. Okay. Speaking of Gordon Hayward, real or fake is the aggressive Gordon Hayward that we saw, especially down the stretch in game four. The guy who tried to dunk on Miles Turner, but had it wiped out by a BS offensive foul on Aaron Baines. That guy who was attacking, throwing up layups, trying to get to the line. Is that guy real or fake?
1: He better be real, for <laughs> the Celtics' sake. <laughs> because this Bucks team is the toughest to score against in the paint. And... I know in some ways that lines up well for the Celtics because they take so many jump shots and they rely so heavily on three pointers. And some of the things that they do best are what the Bucks try to give up. So in some ways that matchup lines up well for the Celtics, but this is going to be incredibly tough for them to score the easiest points. And there are going to be times when they need to stop a run and the Bucks are, are switching screens, and the Celtics need somebody who can put his shoulder down and get to the free throw line, put his shoulder down, get to the get a layup. And Gordon Hayward is as good on the team as anyone when he's right. And so they're going to need that out of him. I, I think when when he's at his best, when when he plays well. They're very tough to beat, and I, I do think they're going to have to downsize a lot in this series. They're going to have to play Al Horford at the five in this series, and Gordon Hayward's going to have to, I assume, defend Giannis sometimes, and that's going to be a bear, and they're going to need him to be really good. They're going to need the Erotic City lineup to be really good. They're going to need everybody to be really good because the Bucs are
0: a damn good squad. Yeah, uh, number one overall seed in the NBA. Yeah, that'd be a that's a damn good squad. Uh, I I do think that Hayward is for real, at least in the sense that he's like he's back. He's feeling good. He's feeling confident. His ankle is still. I mean, I'm sure he still has things that he needs to do, and a summer will still benefit him and and, and bring him to uh, another level. But this Hayward is the best Hayward that we've seen all season long. And this is definitely for real. That that attacking mentality is for real. And that's something that we didn't see, and we didn't really see up until the very end of the regular season. So I don't want to overblow it by saying the Bucks have never seen this level of uh, Gordon Hayward, and it's going to be a big, like, wow, how do we handle this? They'll figure it out pretty quickly because even if it does surprise them, it's that surprise is only going to last for what a half a quarter. Even if it lasts for a whole game, it's not going to be a significant impact for the um, for this series. Now I Hayward, the big thing for him is, is whether he's going to be able to knock down the threes Uh, attacking the rim and all of that stuff that that's all going to be great. Um, He should be aggressive. My, my big question is, how how accurate is he going to be? And if he is going to uh, – if he can hit at a good clip, then th- that is what can significantly change the series because uh, that is something that they didn't have necessarily. And to have one more guy against the defense that is kind of built to kind of give up the, uh, a bunch of these threes, if he can be one more guy that's accurate from deep, that, that would be really, uh, really important.
1: Yeah, I think they're three-point shooting – Unless the Bucks drastically change what they do, which I guess is possible, the Celtics are going to have a lot of three pointers in this series. They averaged more than 40 three-point attempts against the Bucks during the regular season. They had one game where they had 50 something three-point attempts, or made, 50, or made 24 of them, a franchise record. Like after that game, Marcus Morris said it felt like they were taking practice shots. Yeah. And and the Bucks the Bucks have given up more made three pointers. They gave up more made three-pointers during the regular season than any other team. So their scheme lends itself, and their personnel, I guess, with Brooke Lopez at center, lends itself to those wide-open threes. So Marcus Morris is going to have to hit. Al Horford's going to have to hit. One thing I think is really important is Al Horford's three-point accuracy Mm -hmm. because it's kind of been under-discussed, I think, that he dropped from pretty deadly last season – to now just like this season he's been a pretty average three-point shooter and if if he can make the bucks pay regularly for leaving him open at the line then that that punctures them and and that will make them change things whether it's coming out a little harder on him and maybe opening up drives or sitting brooke lopez on the bench and surrendering some of their rim protection so i think horford's three-point shooting in this series is going to be a big deal and Marcus Morris uh to to some extent too although I I I don't think the Celtics will run as many pick and pops through him his his three-point shooting will also be a big deal
0: okay let's take a break and come back with more real or fake when we come back here on the Locked On Celtics podcast Welcome back. We're playing real or fake here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. I'm your host, John Carellis. Let's take a moment to meet some of the contestants. Jay King here. Uh, my research department tells me you write about basketball.
1: I, I do write about basketball. Yes. yes. And, uh, is,
0: this, uh, <laughs> is this something that we should know about? Is this?
1: Uh... Uh, no, no. I'm a nobody, so no. This is not something we should know about. Okay. But it's real, not fake.
0: It's real, not fake. Great. Well. Glad to have you aboard this game show today, Jay. Let's get to the next topic, which is Kyrie Irving's mood. He's been in a good mood lately. And Terry Rozier has said multiple times during the course of the regular season, when Kyrie's happy, we're happy and things go well. Kyrie, Kyrie is notably excited for the playoffs, notably has disdain for the regular season, and he has been much more forthcoming, much more open, much happier, smiling during Podium appearances in the playoffs, even Jay. So, Kyrie Irving's mood—is that real or fake?
1: I think that's real. I think there was a period of the season when he was frustrated, maybe a month or so in the middle of the season, when he, for whatever reason, he just wasn't happy with how things were going. The team was was up and down. Uh, some of the questions from the media about his future seemed to bother him. Some of the some of the leaks. Um, about or speculation about his future from sources and whatever seemed to bother him. And, and he wasn't, wasn't very happy. But I, I do think that's changed. And it, it changed before the playoffs came. It changed. I, I don't know how long before the end of the regular season, but he's, he's definitely had a, a different outlook on things lately. And I do think that's a big deal. Um, first of all, because the Celtics need him to play great, but second of all, because they need everybody else to play great. And if your star is being, surly and frustrated, then it can have an effect on everybody else. And he hasn't been like that at all lately. So, yes, real. Yeah.
0: I would also agree that that's real. Uh, and he, Now, there are skeptics. There are people who are cynics that will say that some of it's, uh, I don't know, performance, I guess. I've heard, I've heard kind of people mumbling about that. But, you know, he's out there. He's, he's given, he's, you know, dapping people up. He's given the hugs. He's, he's laughing with them. I think he genu- genuinely likes being around this team and that that stretch was something that, he, like, he hates, he, he, well, let's he hates the media or he hates
1: the, um, the grind. He of, hates people doing what you're doing right now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. guessing about why he's guessing happy or exactly. unhappy right. or whether he's right. happy no
0: but he does yeah. he, hates, he hates he does hate the media for whatever like all of that stuff um and and yeah it's hard to say what he's happy about other than it's pretty obvious that he's happy about being in the playoffs
1: and he loves the playoffs he, he loves series he,
0: he loves series he's a big fan of series uh so i i, I would say that at this time, like he's he's definitely in a good mood. He's going to be in a good mood, and he he appreciates a good feel out game one, and he appreciates a good adjustment and and going out there and and trying to show what he's made of and show what this team is made of. So uh, that's that's good. And you're right. The, I think these the, the team the team feels more comfortable around him when he's you know not being uh, when he's not in a bad mood over whatever it was that he was in a bad mood about. Moving on. Next, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, who was inserted in the starting lineup, who had a pretty good defensive series for the most part against the Indiana Pacers and had one series where he shot the lights out. He has been pretty good in that starting lineup. So the question now is, is Jalen Brown's performance and his acceptance of maybe getting a, a few Fewer shots in that starting lineup. Is that real or fake?
1: That's real. That's real. I mean, he had a 15.5 percent usage rate in round one, which is very low, especially for a guy who last year averaged 18 points per game in the playoffs and was featured against everybody. Um, got as many touches really as he wanted. It's it's been a big adjustment this year for him. Going in the starting lineup is a new adjustment, um, but yeah, he's, he's bought into what the team needs him to do. I think he's been bought in for a long time, months now. So, yes, real.
0: I would tend to agree. We're agreeing a lot, and a lot of this is real. I guess that's kind of the point of this podcast, that Jalen's performance uh, has shown a level of focus. I, I think all of this stuff, and, and when we come back after the break, we'll get to Terry Rozier, but all of this stuff has shown, I guess, that there's a, just a different focus in the playoffs. And so, would I mean, is that what you're thinking here with all of these things? So Hayward, maybe not Hayward, Hayward's some injury related, but the togetherness for sure, Kyrie's mood, Jalen Brown's production, it's the playoffs. And it's not just like, oh, the regular season is done, it's the playoffs. You've got the ability to plan for one team. You've got a coach who is coaching differently because he he doesn't have to appease anybody who's trying to get the minutes. He's not trying to manage an 82 game marathon. He's not, this is, it's a lot different here. So he can, if he needs to make a change, he's going to make a change. There, there's a lot that's different about the playoffs and the finality of like each loss brings you one step closer to the end of your season. And there's no guaranteed tomorrow. I think all of that comes together for a guy like Jalen or Jason Tatum or, or Kyrie or, or, or Rozier to say, okay, enough of the the bullshit that we've been going for in in the regular season. It's, it's time to just uh, like adjust your attitude and whatever, like literally whatever needs to be done without question. This is what I need to do.
1: Yeah. I I do think that there's part of that. And I do. There's a term reset button. (laughs) It's never a good sign that you need a reset button after the regular season. Uh, but the Celtics did, and they they needed to have that renewed all for one spirit, I guess, or new, maybe not even renewed, just yeah, new, right. <laughs> brand spanking yeah, new all he, for one spirit. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I, so I, I think a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff is like that. But then there are some issues that just getting the playoffs don't fix. Celtics still didn't; they still were last in. Or they, at this point, they're last in the playoffs in points in the paint per game. They are pretty lowly at getting to the free throw line still. Like there are real basketball issues that they'll still have and they'll have to deal with the MVP or a probable MVP, MVP candidate at least, Giannis. They'll have to deal with the Bucks team. The best net rating, the best record, the best defense, and the third best offense in the league. So as real as some of these things may be, it may not matter against the Bucs. I think some of it will matter quite a bit. But, you know, the Celtics could play really well and still lose to the Bucks. And I, I think people should keep that in mind.
0: No, that is very true. I mean, this is, this is really, when you talk about matchups dictating the playoffs, and this is going to be all about the matchups. Um, and, and who starts and who finishes and the substitution pattern and who can be attacked on switches and how much can you get away with all of that stuff matters, which will bring us to the next segment where we talk about the lineups, the possibility of Marcus smart coming back and Terry Rozier. And if you are a new listener and you're enjoying this format of the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Use that Himalaya podcast app. They take your interests and curate your interests into podcast suggestions. And it's a very intuitive app. Go ahead and download the Himalaya podcast app. Subscribe to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. We'll be right back with more Real or Fake. Continuing our fun little look at the Celtics, game show style, real or fake, Jay, Terry Rozier's first round performance, where he passed the ball, his assist rate was up, he wasn't taking as many pull up shots, he was playing pretty good defense throughout the series. A Terry Rozier who accepts his role. Is that real or fake?
1: Real. Hmm. But you thought about it for a second. I, de- I definitely thought about that one. Um, I'm a little more skeptical on that than on the other things, just because of how much Rozier has struggled at times this season uh, with shooting percentage, with kind of everything this, this season has – has been through I think some of the other changes, like like Jalen buying in, that happened a long time ago. Jalen's been really good for months now. Terry was really good for one series. And if he's that good, it's it's a big help for the Celtics. And coming off the bench, that's that's really nice to have. I mean if obviously everyone remembers last year when he was scary Terry against the Bucks and made a name for himself started making a name for himself against the bucks and outplayed Eric Bledsoe who's one of the bucks better players on a 61 team this season for probably most of the series. So if if the Celtics can get a locked in Terry Rozier who's focused on doing the little things and rebounding and and picking up full court and kind of just bothering the bucks then uh, again that that's a big deal Bucks are really good. Celtics are going to need everybody to be good. One thing I wonder: if Marcus Smart gets healthy, do you think Terry Rozier will have like much of a role in no. this series?
0: No. So why don't we why don't we use this to transition? Let me let me get my thoughts on 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 Terry Rozier, and then we'll we'll kind of bring that into Marcus Smart, and then we can we can kind of retest, we can revisit this. So. Uh, I think that Terry Rozier, the first round was real. Like that was legitimately buying into his his uh, role. My fear about the second round is that he might get caught up in the Eric Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe thing, and it might just trigger him to get back into some individual stuff. And we don't need Terry Rozier to go into any sort of uh, role, uh, like like a, a battle, I should say. Uh, so what we need is for Terry Rozier to continue doing what he's doing. So it's mostly real, but uh, it's it's I, I could be fooled. Like this could be like one of those imposter tweets that you see from someone who's like Woj ESPN, but like the the O is a zero, and it's like oh man, I can't believe that you know whatever. And you retweet it, and you're like damn, I can't believe I fell for that. Like this could very much be that type of thing from Terry Rozier. So uh, I'm saying it's it. what we saw in the first one was real, but uh, it, it very well could be not. Uh, if Marcus Smart comes back, then I think he takes all of Rozier's minutes and Rozier gets the MPs. And so let's, let's transition into that real or fake. Do you think Marcus Smart, his progression, we saw him at practice, he was jogging lightly on the treadmill. He did a little bit of shooting. We'll call it shooting. He he jumped like a half inch off the floor, so that's technically a jump shot. Um, he was starting to work on his lateral movement. Obviously nowhere close to a return right now, but there's where the series is believed to begin on Sunday, and they may have to spread it out depending on how these other series go. Do you believe, Jay, real or fake? Real or fake, Marcus Smart will come back in this series.
1: At some point, yes. I do believe that's r- I, I probably would have said differently before today based on what he said a few days ago. When he said he was still jogging, could be a couple weeks away. Well, he was jogging today. Yes. <laughs> with, with his shirt off, overlooking the Celtics practice court. And that was a step I didn't foresee coming this early. That seemed like major progress compared to where he suggested he was just a few days ago. Now, he was very clearly ginger. Not ginger, but he wasn't allowed to do much when he was shooting. He was barely jumping for his shots. He wasn't hadn't moved out to the three point arc, at least when we were watching. But the fact that he's on a treadmill again and the fact that he's Marcus Smart makes me think that at some point (laughs) during this series we will see Marcus Smart. I don't know What that will mean. I don't know whether he'll be available for a few minutes, a few spot minutes. I don't know whether he'll regain a starting position, come off the bench, what, what the case may be. But this series will start in almost a week and could go, you know, if it, if it's a long series, it could go a couple of weeks. So I I think we'll see Marcus Smart at some. Point, but I could be wrong there too. Brad Stevens was was quick to say Marcus Smart's still a long ways away.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of torn on this. I'm gonna say fake. I'm gonna I want to temper expectations. I just don't know that he's gonna be able to come back and play at the level that he needs to play, and that it's you know the four to six weeks. Well, this is week two, so we're still two weeks away from like we're, we're going into week three. So by the time the series starts, like game one will essentially be three weeks. So that's one week before the earliest timeline and still two weeks or three weeks before the end of that timeline. So even though he's lately jogging, that's, it's very straightforward And the oblique turns the body. So you can still move. It's great that he can move and jog forward, but he's not really doing any twisting motions. That's going to be the next step for him, and I, I'm pretty sure that that's that's going to be still more, much more difficult than what he was doing today, which was
1: great. You just talked me out of it. It's fake. He's not coming back.
0: <laughs> so, all right. So, then we got to figure out. I, 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 I do believe that they're going to just try to go with – like, they're not going to bring Smart back early Uh, I mean, maybe a game seven, but I I doubt it. So I I do think it's going to take a little while. All right. So, but again, you asked the question before, if he comes back, I I think Rozier mostly gets phased out uh, unless, unless Brad decides that he wants Rozier in there with some, you know, to give Kyrie a little bit more of a break, but then it's probably going to be like, Two minutes before and after a quarter, so like a little four-minute stretch, so eight minutes, ten minutes maybe. Uh, but I, I think he mostly gets phased out. Okay. And,
1: and some, sometimes it's like going with two really quick guards. So some sometimes Kyrie and Terry could be a duo that like, okay, Bledsoe's going to guard one of them. Good luck with like Sterling Brown on the other. Right. And. You know, so we'll see. It's all matchups, and so so much of this is based on matchups in the playoffs. So that's why I think this is going to be such a fascinating series because there there are so many matchups that I think will be fun and really interesting to see what the coaches decide and what the teams do to try to take advantage of their own strengths.
0: That brings us to the final question, Jay. Excellent segue. The Milwaukee Bucks will they change their starting lineup? So the there is the question of Brooke Lopez. And we're all talking about how Al Horford can play Brooke Lopez right off the floor. Well, if an idiot like me and an idiot like you can, can come up with that, then I'm pretty sure Budenholzer is going to be like, hmm, I wonder if there's a different way to do this. So will they start? Giannis at the five. Jay, real or fake? The Bucks will change their starting lineup.
1: Yeah!
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jay literally I'm, has a stroke on a podcast.
1: I'm gonna go f- real. <laughs> I think they'll have to. They have I, to change I, the I, starting lineup. Uh, but they could be fake. I, so this is if the Bucks play the way they've played most of this season. And Lopez is dropping back, and Horford is popping, and Kyrie is running, picking pops. It's going to be so tough for the Bucks to guard that matchup, those two guys right there. During time that Horford, the 44 minutes that Horford and Lopez shared the court during the regular season, the Celtics were plus 28. That's That almost seems impossible, because the Bucks won two of those three games, Horford only played two of them but the two we played were both really close <laughs> and he was still plus 28 over 44 minutes against Lopez that was at the center i, I do think the Celtics will have to play him at center and i don't know maybe, maybe they'll find some other way to neutralize the, the Celtics pick him pick and pop maybe they can, can they, they they probably cannot get away with switching Brook Lopez onto Kyrie uh, under any circumstances, but the Celtics have struggled with some switching defenses in the past. I, I, I do think at some point they'll probably need to switch it, but I also think that puts a lot of stress on them because as good as they've been, their wing players aren't like particularly talent. They don't have many two way talents at the wing. They're going to be relying on Pat Connaughton, Sterling Brown until Malcolm Brogdon gets back. The, the wings on their team, like it, it's not a superbly talented group of wings. Now, Giannis is the maybe the greatest wing alive, if you count him as that, maybe count him as a big man. But if he's playing a five, that really stretches him thin, I think. And, and there are guys, including Nikola Mirotic, who can do a lot of things. There are guys that the Celtics can target, I think. So every decision comes with a trade-off. And the Lopez-Horford matchup, that to me is the most fascinating matchup in the playoffs so far because of just the, the clashes in style and the clashes and scheme. And I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how the Celtics try to take advantage of that and pick it apart and how the bucks react.
0: I, I agree with almost everything that you said, except I'm going to say fake, at least in game one, I think the Milwaukee. Yeah. I don't bucks, think they'll
1: change it for game one.
0: Yeah. I, okay. So I think game one, Milwaukee's going to say, "Look, we're the number one seed. We're the best team. We are. We won all of these matchups." Although I don't think there's much from the regular season that you can take from the three games that they played. They're just—it's so many different variables. But uh, I, I think you say if your Budenholzer, like you, Lopez, has started every game this he's played this season, so you just go with what has worked, and then if it doesn't work, like if you lose game one and it's so blatantly obvious that the only reason that you lost game one is that Al Horford played Brooke Lopez off the floor. And because he wasn't there to protect the rim, the Celtics drove, they got to the basket, they drove and kicked. Then, then he will make a change. I don't even think he'll do it in game two because I'm going to bet that he'll think of other things to do before that and he'd rather see what happened during the regular season kind of continue. I will though say that it, there's, it, it's kind of like, this is kind of like a half and half thing that just going into the series, it feels like making that change will be inevitable and that getting him on the bench and matching him up with Aaron Baines in those lineups would be the the best thing for for the bucks, which then what what do you do then? The next chess move is you just don't play Aaron Baines. That you just don't run any bigs out there at all, besides Al Horford, and that that means that there's just nowhere to match up against uh, for 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 Brook Lopez, and you just play a lot more Mook. Maybe this is the shimmy sh- at the, the five. Serious. Well, may, I mean, you, why not? I mean, why not use him for like ten minutes here or there? I mean, this is all about the how much, how much time can you buy without hurting the team? And if you have forced them to make an adjustment like that, changing your entire starting lineup that got you to this, this, well, not entire, but you know what I mean? Um, and you can get five minutes of Shemi in a quarter and, and see if it buys you enough time to, to like, to get Al Horford back in. Like, why not? And if, if Mook can do the job, if, if, Hayward can do the job. If you have different combinations of wings that can get in there and kind of create so much chaos uh, defensively for the Bucks that you can't even put him on the floor, then that's, that's a big, big win for the Celtics. So uh, I, I think the cell the Bucks may, may need to adjust their start- starting lineup and, and may, may get to a point where they can't play Brooke
1: Lopez at all. Oh, <laughs> No Brook Lopez point. No I Lopez. I don't. I don't think it will get to that point. He's think, been so good all season. He, he's one of the bigger reasons that they have the number one defense, of course. But he's also, like, and I, he's I, so so huge to the spacing that allows Giannis to be. I mean, he's going to be incredible anyway. But that that has allowed him to flourish even more than he already did.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, look, he's got. I'm looking at his plus minus across the league, so he's got four negative plus minuses. Okay. Oklahoma city's one game. We'll just throw that out. Phoenix. He was a minus 11.9. I don't know what that necessarily means. Toronto and Boston. So, <laughs> I mean, I think everything else has been a positive plus minus. Not that that means a ton, 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 but like there Boston, Boston is a, a bit of a matchup issue for, for him. And like, I, like I said, I think Boston's chess move is DNP Aaron Baines and Al Horford plus going small is a significant issue for them. Now they could also make some changes and, but
1: going small against Giannis is potential death too. Sure. 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 Because Giannis is such a force. You need size and the Celtics granted are well equipped with big wings um, to try to provide some rim resistance, but if you don't have Baines at the rim, you're a lot different at the rim. And if you don't have, especially during non-Horford minutes, like it's, it's tough to get by if Giannis is playing against five wings. Sure. But- because he is going to get to the rim and he's going to demolish people because that is what Giannis does. Sure. I,
0: I think y- you can. Also, take the approach of and not let him get to the rim. You're still going to try to resist. You're still going to try to pack the paint against him. But also stay, stay as close to home as the like. Don't help. Do not help off of him. Just stay close enough to the paint. Maybe try to entice him to take more jumpers. But at the same time, if he if he gets forty, okay. If he gets fifty, okay. That but do not let Chris Middleton. And Eric Bledsoe and all these other guys, do not let them go off. Like Giannis is gonna be Giannis. That's fine. But this is gonna be like a bend, don't break. And if there's a if Lopez is so key to what they're doing defensively, then you gotta find any way you can to take him out. Even if it means sacrificing some things on your own defense. Because then it becomes, use all of that offensive talent that you have. You know, you know, Kyrie, Tatum, Brown, all those guys that can just get to the rim now. And Giannis is going to be the only rim protector. Which means if he's out there worrying about protecting the rim, then he's not out there against Al Horford. Which means there's going to be some open shots there. And it's also going to potentially mean, potentially, possibly, that if he's the only rim protector, then he's going to be getting fouls. And if he's in foul trouble, then that changes a lot of what's going to happen in this series.
1: One thing that I think could be pretty big in this series, and I don't know which way it will swing, is whether Giannis can guard Horford post-ups. Yeah. Last last year, Horford was very successful against the Bucks with post-ups, even against Giannis. And if, if he can continue that, then some of the Giannis at the five lineups We'll have less success. Some of the possible switching ways will have, we'll have less success. What, what would, what would you think about? Like, I I don't know. I, I'm trying to think of possible ways, like out of the box ways the Bucks could try to guard things. I don't uh, but I, I don't think Brook Lopez will get totally played off the court. I, I do wonder how we'll hold up against Horford in particular it's it's he's be, he's really like Brook Lopez is one of my he's been one of my favorite players to watch this year because it's just insane how much he's improved and as a shooter like he'll shoot step backs and and yeah like sidestep fadeaways and it's stuff wild. as a 7-footer who just live on the block he is he's one, he's been one of my favorite players to watch all year and i do think his value is is very high in almost any matchup but Al Horford in particular is kind of built to give them fits. And I'm sure Mike Budenholzer has been thinking about that all year long. Mm-hmm. Mike Budenholzer, like as far back as October, was probably like, okay, we, we got a chance to be incredibly good, but how the hell are we going to stop Horford and Kyrie when it comes to it? And so I'm sure he's got some ideas on how to potentially hold up in that matchup. Well, we, we've been, he's a lot smart, He's a lot smarter than I am. Yeah. 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 I mean,
0: I agreed with that very, very vociferously. <laughs> um, we've spit, we've been spitballing a lot here. I don't know, like some of the things that I've been throwing out there. I don't know exactly how it's going to work out, but we're going to take a couple of days here to, to catch our breath, or at least, at least a day, to say, all right, let's think about some of this stuff. We'll leave this podcast there. So, hope you've enjoyed this real or fake. We'll come back. I'm also going to try to do a crossover podcast with the Locked On Bucks folks, so we can get kind of the other team's perspective heading into the game one, which we still don't know if it's going to be Saturday or Sunday. But uh, guessing, everybody's kind of guessing Sunday, so we'll see. Uh, but until then, we'll get back to you on some of these things. We'll 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 talk out some of these adjustments and kind of see if we can map things out a little bit. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Hope you've enjoyed it enough to subscribe. If you're a new listener and you're just coming over, maybe you're a Bucks fan or maybe the playoffs have inspired you to start listening to podcasts, whatever it is. Appreciate it. Subscribe on the new Himalaya podcast app or on Google, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Wherever you get podcasts, wherever podcasts are available, we are there. All of you regular listeners, a five-star rating and a good written review helps us out a ton, and we appreciate those of you who have done that already. And, of course, share the podcast, spread the word, tell everybody listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network.